The NBA season is heating up and there's never been a better time to get in on the action. Whether you're looking to hammer a Pascal Siakam player prop or ride the money line with LeBron James and the Lakers, our partners at Sign Up Expert want to make sure you're ready to sweat your bets. With one of the best, Sign Up Experts is hooking up our listeners with one of the newest sports books available in Canada, Botano. Botano is home to some of the best odds when it comes to betting on the NHL and offers unique markets, including virtual soccer and basketball. All you have to do to get started is scan that QR code on your screen or click the link in the description to register and place that first bet. Now, if you thought Damian Lillard being traded to the Bucks has been the best surprise of the season so far, wait until you try Botano. Don't walk. Run to check out Botano today, scan that QR code, or hit the link in the description to get started and start sweating your bets with the best. Always remember to bet responsibly and within your means. Viewers must be 19 plus to sign up for Botano. This is Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney, joined today by Jesse Blake. Jesse, man, thanks very much for taking the time to do this. How are you? Oh, no problem. I'm just stuck here in simple old Toronto, Ontario, <laughs> Canada, while you get to gallivant all over Las Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's been something. You <laughs> <laughs> <I> can imagine. <laughs> oh, buddy. Uh, you know, the longest I've ever been in Las Vegas is probably three days. Hmm. And so I've been here for, Oh, shoot. Uh, I want to say eight or nine days so far. And that's probably five days too many. Yeah. And so, so I'm exhausted. I know, I know I should. I'm not complaining, but like, no, no. it's just that like, like Vegas is awesome. It's a ton of fun, but it's a lot. Like it's a lot of stimulus. Yeah. If anybody's <laughs> been to Vegas, they know exactly what you mean. Cause I, I've only been one time and it was for a three day trip. And that, and by the end of the three days, that was yeah. it. That's all I needed. And we actually got <laughs> stuck there for a fourth day because our COVID results, this was in 2021, our COVID results didn't come back in time. So we couldn't get on a plane. So we had to stay an extra day in Vegas. And that extra fourth oh, day was God. like, it was a little much, you know, I didn't need that extra day because it's so <laughs> Vegas all the time. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, it's, I, I was kind of like saying to myself, look, don't let the dog off the leash just yet when you get there, you know, ease into it like an old man into a bathtub. And by day three, that was all thrown out the window. Oh, yeah. So it was over. You went too it, hard. It was over and I lost. Oh, God. And I lost a lot of money. <laughs> Well, that's that's what it's there for. That's why Vegas is there to take your money. <laughs> yeah, that's essentially what has happened. <laughs> Whatever, it's been a good experience. So uh it's uh, you know, the opening ceremony uh we had yesterday mm-hmm. on uh Wednesday, probably one of the most extra events I've ever uh been a part of, been too covered. Um there was a there was a lot going on in this thing, Jesse, and I'm not sure if you had a chance to to watch it yet, or I if did. You, you got to watch it live or pre recorded or whatever. And yeah, what, okay, what did you think? So I uh, I didn't watch it live, and initially I was looking on online on on Instagram and Twitter and some of the comments, and there were some people being like, "Oh, it's so cheesy and so extra." And then so this morning I watched it all back, and it's only 30 minutes. Like they have the full thing posted on the F1 YouTube yeah. channel. I watched it; it was 30 minutes, and it's just a series of performances. You know, they invited everybody that they could get from from country to DJs, artists to to Latin American artists, just everybody they could find and who would perform for uh, like two minutes, they would cycle through them. And then the drivers came out for about 30 seconds each on, on their pillars. It looked like the Hunger Games uh, set up when they were out there yeah. waving, waving to the crowd. But I didn't, I didn't mind it. It was a musical performance just for a bunch of acts that lasted 30 minutes. And like the fireworks were spectacular yeah. and it was really overdone. But I definitely didn't mind it. I thought it was very extra, but it fit the vibe of the the whole week what did you think about it being there live in person i have a lot of thoughts on it because you know when i first got here and then i saw the comp the, the compound where everything was taking place um and they had done such a tremendous job just to get the pit building uh put up and built mm-hmm. and ready to go i was just thinking to myself like uh, you know the the lengths that they have gone to just to build this and now they want to put on this massive opening ceremony 
and I had a look at some of the details of what it was going to entail or, or be like um, days leading into it. And I thought, you know, this is a very ambitious project. I thought I'd be surprised if this thing goes off with, without, you know, it being a bit of a disaster. And then it started going like, so we got special access to sit on top of the pit building. So we got to go up right up on top. And then we had allowances to basically go into the VIP paddock area or excuse me, the VIP pit building. So their hospitality area mingle with a lot of the guests that are in there. And there was hundreds and hundreds of guests, um, in these hospitality zones and they're very lavish, very luxury. It's they've done a really great job of putting that together because they know who their clientele is, who's coming in. And it's, it was pretty fantastic. And then the show got started and I was like, they roll out these cube trucks. So I Mm -hmm. seen the cube trucks uh, in the afternoon because I had to go over so early And I thought, like, these things look a little ridiculous. Like, how is this even going to work? And then once it lit, everything lit up, then I was like, oh my God, that is incredible. It just kind of like blasted your face with, (laughs) you know, overstimulation. And there was so much going on, Jesse. I thought they were so cool. Like those little uh, trucks. Man, they, (laughs) the, the amount of stuff that was all going on at once, like you had. You had like whatever, Steve Aoki performing a set, then Tiesto came after him. And while that's all going on, you had a drone show that is taken off in the sky. Mm-hmm. And it's in the shape of this F1 car and it's rotating and moving. And I'm just like, it was one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Like to, to be there and to witness all of it, because I had no idea what was happening. Like there was just so much going on. Mm-hmm. Um I thought it was tremendous. I mean, it's it's way too much. It's way over the top, but it is Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know if people were expecting like, like the classiness of the Olympic opening ceremony, where it's like they're all parading <laughs> yeah. out each one, and they're there. There's like symphony music playing and all this stuff. But no, yeah. they did it in their way. Like usually, you don't have opening ceremonies yeah. like this for an F1 race, but they decided to hold this thing. And if they're going to hold yeah. it, it's going to be over the top. There's going to be the drone show, and I thought I thought it fit. And hearing your perspective of being there and how spectacular it must have been to witness that just go off in person, like I think that that's pretty cool that f1 was able to pull that off even though it sounds like a lot of the drivers weren't a fan of it no not not at all i mean a lot of the drivers i mean especially verstappen following all of it um he had said that it was you know this weekend was kind of 99 percent show and one percent sporting event and you know he's i mean he's not he's not wrong right like i I see what he's saying for sure. I mean, then Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris, uh, Lance, you know, got to hear from all of them, speak to all of them. And, you know, a lot, lots of them just weren't that mm-hmm. big of fans of doing, you know, something that big. And I think a lot of them just didn't, a lot of them just didn't want to feel like they were too Hollywood or too much showbiz because they wanted to be recognized as athletes. Right. And I, I got that sense from them. Yeah. But like to Verstappen, who's who's like it's 99% show. What's wrong with that sometimes? What's if it if it garners more interest in your sport and it gets people like interested in F1 or watching these special, even if you are a fan, but then you're going beyond yeah. and not just watching the races, watching all this extra content. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with garnering more interest in your sport? Like, I feel like that's how you grow. The whole reason F1 is having this boom is because they were willing to do drive to survive yeah. and and grow the sport in these kind of untraditional ways. So I don't know. I feel like they need to embrace this on some level because it's good for them and good for their business. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. You know, Fernando Alonso said something similar to that effect during his uh, press conference um, yesterday on Wednesday, and it's kind of he kind of put it down to the fact that you're in Las Vegas, and so you have to kind of embrace the place that you are in and how big of a show this is, and then just how much Liberty Media and Formula One have put in um, to doing this event here. And I think, like on on the one point, like I. I agree with what you were saying, Jesse, and I agree with what 
Fernando is is saying. I also agree a bit with the other drivers too, in the fact that you know I don't think they want to be like showboated or you know paraded around. They just want to go and race. That's why they're there. They're there to just drive race cars, and that's all they want to do. And look, I get it, but at the end of the day, I mean, you kind of got to do this extra stuff too, you know? Yeah. I feel like it comes with the gig, you know, like, like the only reason you get to drive is because yeah. people are invested in your driving and there's advertising dollars behind yeah. it and people want to watch the race and all this and sell tickets. So I don't know. It goes hand in hand. There's a delicate balance where it can't be too much showmanship, but you also have to embrace it on some level because you are in Vegas. Yeah. And that I, I think, you know, you're definitely right on that. And I think at the same time, it's, you ever notice like Formula One goes to all these different countries and then for every single country they go to, every race organizer has their own spin on how they want the show to, to go. Every country embraces Formula One uh, differently and they put their own unique spin on things. I mean, say something similar with Miami. Like mm-hmm. I, you remember the driver introductions, even though that was a little, that that was a little too much. And I don't think the drivers really liked it uh, or really enjoyed it all that much. And then you, know, you go to Texas and it's a little bit different. You come to Canada and it, again, it's a different type of atmosphere. It's a different type of event. And with this one, it's just, I get it that they, it's their first time here and they want to make it a big thing, but they really went out of their way to make it a big thing. And it, it went off quite well with, without, a, without a hitch, really. I think, I think the next big question moving forward is going to be the racetrack and mm-hmm. what happens uh, tonight for free practice sessions. Cause I, I was out on the track yesterday and I don't know the, uh, this could be a tough one to drive on. I think. Yeah, I find it so interesting the way they've done it with, one, the track is going to be open. It's open throughout the day and throughout the weekend, which is just wild to me that just if you're a regular person driving a car in Vegas, in between the practices and the races and the qualifying, it's open to just drive on and then they close it back up and it's a racetrack again. Like, how does that even work? And that blows my mind. Yeah, so essentially, right now, as we're taping this, uh, it's 1 p.m. local time, so Pacific time. Uh, My hotel room is right over top of the Las Vegas Strip. I'm right across from the Bellagio, and so I can see down, and I can see the entire uh, Vegas Strip and everything that's going on. They got cars driving up and down that thing uh, right now, and I can tell you that they're going to close it at 5 p.m., and then they're going to reopen it to the public at 4 a.m. Oh, wow. And the issue with all of that is, is that you're now going to get that local traffic that you spoke of zipping around parts of the race course. And you're not going to have support series out there driving around, uh, which they should have. Mm-hmm. I mean, all they're getting is Formula One here, and then that's it. And so I think... A lot of the drivers were concerned at the level of grip and it is going to be quite limited and it feels like it's going to be, I don't know if you remember Turkey uh, 2020, but that track, they'd resurfaced it. There hadn't been a lot of running on it and it was like an ice rink and it was cold and it kind of feels like we're, we're, we're leaning towards those conditions and I think for this particular race, I think they need those support series to help rubber the track in and create more grip. Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how tonight goes for practice and then for into qualifying. Um, yeah. I think the drivers are concerned about that for sure. And then obviously just getting the confidence like around here, it's. Man, you're coming yeah, down brand- to Las Vegas Strip here, Jesse. Yeah, it's a, it's like, a brand new track going- for everybody, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think like the braking zones are going to be are going to be really interesting for the drivers to kind of get the confidence to push the braking zones mm-hmm. because they're you know they're coming off the strip at whatever it's going to be three hundred and fifty kph and you know they got to push that braking zone further and further and further and it's like if you know you push that just a little bit too far and you know that's when things happen you go off the track and they got lots of runoff here which is great. Um, but at the same time for the driver, you know, you, you don't have 
a sense of what this track is capable of. So you're always learning and you're going to, they're going to be learning as this whole weekend evolves, even into the race, they're going to be learning things about the track. Uh, so lots to learn in a short amount of time, no support series here. Uh, could be really cold. It was hot. It was humid last night. Uh, it rained last night. The first oh, time really? in like forever. Yeah, that's yeah. that's very shocking. In like a long time. Yeah, yeah. And and the comments yeah. about about it, it being cold. Well. A couple a couple. What was it last week? We got the the comment from the F one bosses mm. how they didn't know it would be cold at this time of the year in in Las Vegas. <laughs> Is it are the temperatures gonna get chilly tonight and and tomorrow for the for the race, making the conditions possibly even worse for the drivers? They might. I think one of the like. There have been a couple days that I've been here. I've been here for a bit, like I had mentioned off the top, but there are there were a few days that were actually really cold, like Canada cold. Like we're talking, you know, five, six degrees, and that's including like the wind chill. But last night was particularly warm, and that was interesting because I was outside from 4 p.m. all the way up to 2.30 in the morning. Uh, zipping back and forth from the from the media center to the paddock and whatever, so never really was inside, uh, and it was actually quite humid. And I think for tonight, for the practice session, it's supposed to be a bit chilly, but it's supposed to get colder as the weekend moves along. And I think that's where these issues are going to start creeping in with drivers not being able to get enough temperature in the tire and they can't get enough temperature in the tire, then there's going to be a, like a high level of graining. And then that's going to really affect the racing a lot. It's a, I think it's not the, it's not the most sexiest of tracks, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not going to be the most like, it's not like a, not going to be one of the like a legendary track. Yeah. Um, but I think it could be good. Uh, for racing, for passing, and for getting stuff done. Mm -hmm. I've I've one question about the actual track, like because you're saying it's not going to be sexy. The long, the strip, the the longest straightaway I've ever seen in F1 is in F1 history. Like it's crazy how long that straight is. It how is that going to work in the race? Do you think? Do you think it's going to be a place where? everybody gets their passing done because there's such a long runway there or do we see just the cars ramp up to their top speed and it's kind of just hey it'll stand pat and they just go down the strip and it looks beautiful but there's no real passing in that area it it could be a bit of a drs train um it could also be there could also be some good passing uh heading down into the turn coming off of uh the las vegas strip and then once you kind of come off that then there's like a really another it's a long blast uh, towards the start finish line down into turn one, which we could, we could also get some passing because there's, it looks like for turn one, there's probably about two, maybe three different racing lines they could take through there. Um, the pit pit entry for me is a bit of a concern. It was really tight uh, when I walked it and it's a bit fiddly. It's kind of uh, reminds me a tiny bit of uh, like Canada and, uh, Saudi Arabia as well a bit where you kind of got to slow down well in advance of a little bit of a chicane to kind of get into pit lane. So that's, and then blend like the blend line, leaving pit lane and getting back out onto the track and looking at some of the video from the safety car from last night. It, you know, there's two different lines that those two drivers were using and one of them was coming over onto that blend line. So that'll be interesting when a driver's coming back out onto the track. Yeah. I better watch out. Um, but for the most part, <laughs> Yeah, but for the most like for the most part, it seems relatively safe and also really fast. And there are some spots where drivers can get some passing done. It's just that tire graining and grip that I'm concerned about. Okay, not having enough of that on a track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other issue that was was really brought up was the jet lag. So drivers coming from Europe and then coming over uh, to Vegas in that time change, and then leaving Vegas and going straight to Abu Dhabi for the final race of the season. Um, that actually that, that actually was a real thing. Uh, and, and like a lot of these drivers are working with doctors, sleep specialists, their trainers, to try and get a handle on it. And some of them just can't. Like some of them, like Alex Albin was saying that like, you know, for him, it's, Jet lag is, is really tough for him to battle. Uh, there are a few other drivers that had mentioned that as well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but for Lewis Hamilton, like he is just he was like in the press conference, just being like, "Yeah, it doesn't bother me." <laughs> <He's> <laughs> like every pro. other driver is. Every other driver's like, yeah, you know, we're not like all the other drivers are taking like shots back at Lewis. They're all just like, yeah, but, you know, we're not like Lewis. You know, we all just can't power through jet lag. And Sergio, what did Sergio say? He said, uh, paraphrasing, but essentially he's like, yeah, I'm going to have to take some of whatever those pills are that Lewis is taking to help him battle jet lag. <laughs> That's so much <laughs> he fun. He said it right to his face. Oh my god! Oh, dude, he said it right to his face. It was great. Are we oh, ever going to see? Great. It was funny. Um, F one go to a regional schedule where it's like we get Canada, Mexico, Austin, Miami, they, Vegas, for- Brazil, all in the same time frame. I, I don't know. That's a great question. I think for this one, I, I think for this one, it's it's different in the fact that. They're not really catering to anybody, which is kind of it's a, it's a bit of a question mark for me because they're not catering to even though you want your American audience and that's, you know, big for them now. They really want to they really want to try and build up that American audience. But they're not really catering Jesse to the Eastern time zone. Mm-hmm. And they're not catering either to the Pacific time zone because this thing starts at I think it's like 10 o'clock at night Pacific time. It's like 1 a.m. back in back in Toronto and it's. Who's going to be up watching all that? Right. And then you look at the you look at the European time, and that's like whatever it is, like six or seven in the morning. Well, who's going to be up over there? I think the country that probably gets off the best is Australia. Like for for them, that's like it's like their afternoon. It's like this is great. You're gonna watch Formula One now. Yeah. And like here, it's like we're not going to be done till three thirty in the morning. Like it's. So I don't really know what they're thinking when it came to these time zones. Right. It just seems like for the driver's sake and for the economics of the sport, you know, would you not want all of the North American races at one point in the calendar and then all the European ones at the same point? And then it, when you're going over to East Asia, you know, they're at the same same time in the calendar just to save on the environmental costs. And if it, if it, it is F10, you know, that they're still working towards and and just for the sake of the fan, too, you know, it's kind of at the same location. If you want to get to more than one race, you're in the same continent as the other ones. You know, it just seems like, mm-hmm. hey, you can do the scheduling a little better. So. So you get kind of the, these regional races mm-hmm. at the same point in the calendar. Yeah, I. that's one of the things that they've been working towards. It's also trying to convince the organizers to switch up their dates, which is really hard to do because, mm-hmm. you know, if... Uh, you know, for the Canadian Grand Prix, I mean, they don't want to be in November. I mean, no one's going to want to go. Same with, they want to be in October. They, they want to be there in like spring, summertime. That's the, that is the best time to have the race there. And for Las Vegas, it's kind of like, well, you don't want to be in the summertime here. It's like 110 degrees. It doesn't, you're going to kill these drivers with the heat. And so there are certain challenges that are posed when it comes to creating a calendar. I think what they've done for this year and then into next year, I think they're getting towards that. What you're saying is trying to get like, Hey, if you're going to come to America, like just do all of America, then then do your Mexico, then do your Brazil, then go back over and do X, Y, Z. And I agree with what you're saying in that front. And I think they are working towards that. It's just, it will take a couple of years before it's like all kind of solidified in in that uh, regard. And in that sense, but right. Yeah, you make a good point with that one, man. Really good point. Um, what was the other point? Oh, man, there's just so much going on here. Uh, <laughs> jet lag. I think, like, for the drivers, George Russell, we got to speak with him. He actually used it. He's actually been preparing for the jet lag since last Friday by dropping an hour of his, of his like, wake time. So he, he did that while he was over in Europe and then kind of built in into it. So once he gets to Abu Dhabi, that massive time shift won't feel as uh, severe for him. But there are other drivers like Daniel Ricardo came to last. Uh, he came to L.A. Uh, when was it last Wednesday? So last week. 
just to prepare for the Pacific time zone. But he even said like, he's still waking up early. He's been trying to like battle through the jet lag that he had faced just to come to Los Angeles. And he still can't kind of cope or, or grasp with it. So I think for some drivers, it's just like, you're going to go to Abu Dhabi and you're going to drink a lot of coffee. And then you're going to get that hit of adrenaline of being in the car and, that better be enough to kind of switch things over, but it does affect performance. Like, I mean, Jesse, like, you know, like you go to a different time zone you're going to run or you're going to work out or whatever. It does affect your body. Like he's hard to do it. Right. Yeah. And with these guys, it's all about like the half percent of advantage you're getting over the next guy. And your sleep is a part of that. You know, you're how you're living your everyday life is is goes into so much about how you perform on the racetrack. And for these guys, yeah, I bet it's just an everyday struggle with their trainers and the entire staff there to to get them into the right mental state of of performing. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting that we're going to see a bunch of jet lag drivers race around the racetrack. You know, we probably won't ever notice it, but it's. <laughs> It's cool to know in the back of our minds that they got a little less sleep for these next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. And then even for like the team personnel as well, they kind of have mm-hmm. to follow that same uh, routine of trying to battle through that jet lag. I just feel that in my opinion, I think it's a bit too much to stagger these two races back to back like that. I think it's really hard on, on the teams. I think it's really hard on the individuals who work behind the scenes to, to make this operation uh, run because it's it's not only that they came off a triple header had you know whatever five days off came to came to Vegas you know had to you know work here build up everything and then do the job and then tear it down and move on to Abu Dhabi it is a lot it's a big it's a big ask from everyone who works within the sport for the teams and the drivers and so I think you know when we talk about schedule it's I think it's trying to give some of that balance yeah. back so you're not wearing down uh your personnel who are working behind the scenes so hard to make this make this machine sort of run mm-hmm. and i think that could that that's a bit of an issue that needs to be addressed for sure when when i kind of look and see and talk to people it just yeah. it, it, it is something it is a thing for sure um another that's thing such a good is point, the uh, I was yeah. just gonna say that's such a good point because like we think of the drivers, but there's hundreds of people that go behind all of these teams. You know, it's oh, it's yeah. it, there's such a mountain of of people and and logistics that go into a Formula One team that it's not just these the 20 individuals on the racetrack who are affected by all of this travel schedule. And like, how long is the flight from Vegas to Abu Dhabi? Like, even that just sitting oh. on that plane and getting all that equipment over there, like that's crazy. That I mean, that turnaround. Like you're at least. Like for some, for some folk, there, there isn't a direct flight, mm-hmm. uh, from here to like say Heathrow. Mm-hmm. And so for some of them, they fly Vegas to, I don't know, I'm just going to throw out Dallas or they, they fly Vegas to Los Angeles and then they go Los Angeles direct to, to Heathrow, uh, or another or Gatwick, I think is the other one. And then from there, maybe spend a day at home and then repack and then fly to Abu Dhabi. Some of them do that. Some of them go like directly there. And so that's, Oh boy, that that's a ton of travel. I don't even know. Maybe 20 <laughs> hours, maybe more. Yeah. Like those are crazy demands. <laughs> it's a yeah. lot, you know, yeah. it's, it's a bit too much. That's why I think, I think I even listened to some of the drivers when they were talking about the triple header and some mm-hmm. of the team, uh, personnel as well is that, that that when they got to the end of the triple header so um, Texas Mexico and Brazil like that was that was quite a bit that was quite a bit to do because not only were they coming from the UK over to Austin Texas getting on that time zone then going to Mexico getting on that time zone then Brazil getting on that time zone and then going back to the UK I mean I did I did just Texas Mexico and for me, it was a lot. I was just, yeah. I got home and I was like, oh, like I didn't really realize just how much that took out of me until I got home. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's one of the things that they they should probably start looking into is just how can they, you make a good point of how can they reconfigure this thing so it's a, it's a little more smoother for, uh, for everyone. Uh, you've seen the sphere, right? 
I, I've been in love with the sphere. Like it's been one of my favorite things to watch the last couple of months since it's been launched. It's such a marvel. I'm so jealous that you get to see it in person. It's uh, when you first land and you see this big friggin' thing, and you're like, "That's not real." <laughs> and the more time you kind of spend around it, you're just like, you're still in awe of it. Yeah. Like, I remember you and Adam were talking, and, and Steve, you guys got into it about the pyramids. Yeah. What's more impressive? Or the sphere? <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's one of the greatest <laughs> wonders that man has ever built. Like, it's it's so, it's it's such a <laughs> spectacular building and object, and how is it so big, and all of the LEDs that go into making it light up and then do whatever you want to make it do. Like, when it's an eyeball... Like, I lose it when I see those TikToks of it being a, a giant eyeball and blinking, or when it's the emoji and it's following things around. Like, it's such a spectacular uh, building to me. I don't know. I'm, I'm in love with the sphere. <laughs> we went to, uh, we went to Top Golf, um, myself and a bunch of the other journalists. And, uh, you could see, like, Top Golf is, outrageous to begin with i'd never been to a top golf like or i had been to a top golf but like i never really got into it like i did when we were there a couple days ago mm-hmm. and you could from the top level where we were you could see the you could see the sphere in the background and so they had at one point the emoji face come on where it's like looking at you questionably <laughs> And it was looking at one of the one of uh, the producers like perfectly while he was taking a tee shot that I had to record it because it was just freaking brilliant, man. Oh <laughs> like how this thing lined up with this guy taking a tee shot. Yeah. And I think like it's uh it, it works in so many different uh so many different ways. Um I would like to see a concert from the inside. I didn't get to see the inside of it. Mm-hmm. it, it looks impressive. Yeah, to do something at that scale, like all that technology, it's been around for a while to do that LED screens and all that, all that stuff. But to do it at that scale, it's it seems impossible, but it's it's done, and it's of course it's in Vegas. Like if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in Vegas. And I don't know when I when I compare it to yeah. the pyramids, and I'm like, that's a greater invention of the pyramids because like you if you took somebody from like a hundred years ago and you plop them down in front of that sphere, like that thing is a god. Like it's <laughs> it's it's a miracle that it exists. It's crazy. I don't know. Oh my it's, god, it's pretty cool. It's uh, two point. <laughs> Dude, 2.3, 2.3 billion dollar build. Like, that's outrageous, man. Like, and I saw the reports where they had lost money on this thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it was like a hundred million they've, they've lost so far on it or something. But once this thing gets rolling and they get more concerts in there and events happening, they're going to make that money back pr- pretty quickly oh, yeah. because I've seen it. So I saw it in pictures and stuff. And, you know, I remember listening to you guys argue about it, like the pyramids and stuff. And in my, in my mind, I was kind of like, you know what? Adam makes a good point where it's like how they actually had to build the pyramids. And that's Mm -hmm. outrageous. And then, and then I was listening to what you're saying. And then now that I actually see it, I'm like, you know what? I think Jesse's onto something here because (laughs) this thing is like, I can't believe it's real. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because my, my argument about that, if you want to rehash that conversation, was like, the the <laughs> if you go back to where the pyramids were invented to now, I'm including the entire like technological advancements of humans to reach this point where we could build this fear in the desert. Because in, in Las Vegas, like as compared to what they had back then in the pyramids, like I'm counting all of history and we get to this point where we create this magical <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know. It's so silly, but it's pretty it's pretty damn cool that that, that sphere exists. So I think like so <laughs> F1 is least F1 is least a part of it uh, to do a bunch of activation with partners. And then they're going to also run um, live timing and scoring on the sphere itself during the race. And they're going to have uh, like different. Uh, driver and, and helmet positions on it so that's going to be really it's going to be really cool to see how they integrate formula one into the sphere itself uh one of the things for f1 though is that and the fia was how big of a distraction hmm. 
Um, it could be for the drivers. And so they've eliminated the colors uh, blue, yellow, and red from showing up on it. Oh, wow. Like just straight colors because it actually it actually does turn those colors. And so one of the things is the fear is, is that the drivers will get caught out by seeing like a yellow flag or a red flag or sorry, a, a yellow object, red yeah. object, blue object, and, and think it's like a flag or something has happened on the track and have them stop or slow down or whatever. So they've eliminated those colors. But George Russell, like he didn't think that it would he didn't think he would be uh, that distracted because he knows it's a giant ball. And he's, <laughs> he was just kind of saying like, I'm going to see it's a giant ball. He's like, it's massive. So if it turns red, I still know it's a giant ball. It's not a flag. <laughs> it's not somebody waving. Him. That's a good point, George. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's hard to confuse a, a little, a little red flag with a giant ball in the sky. <laughs> Maybe I they mean, should use on, like, it for red flags. <laughs> You know, they should use it so oh, you man. know when it's a red flag because the sphere turns red. Yeah, no, 100%. Actually, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> if you think about it, you might as well just embrace it. Yeah. But I think, like, at the same time, like, make it a part of the thing. Yeah. Sure. I think at the same time, it's smart by, you know, the FIA to take the precautions and Formula One to take those precautions for sure. Like, mm -hmm. I, I do think it's a great idea, but... Yeah, you're, you're right. George does have a point when he's like, uh, it's a giant ball. Like, I'm going to see it. And I'm like, I'm, I'm looking at it when I was on track and everything. I'm like, at like two in the morning, I'm looking at this thing. I'm like, yeah, you know what? George has got a point. You know what? I <laughs> How much of the sphere can you see from the whole track? Like, can you see it from every part of the track? Oh, yeah. It's massive, dude. Oh, yeah. It This thing is just, it is, uh, I think it's so cool. It is awesome. Uh, it's totally outrageous. I would actually be flipping my head if my hotel room was facing it mm. because it would be totally annoying at night when you're trying to sleep, even yeah. if you have the windows closed or the curtains closed. So I'm glad I'm not facing that direction. But it, you have to get down here and see this thing. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty outrageous. We went for, uh, went for a helicopter ride. I was telling telling you about this before uh, we started recording, yeah. and uh, that for me was probably one of the highlights because I was telling you, Jesse, it was it felt like I was about to fall out of the helicopter because <laughs> it's almost like a stunt helicopter, and like the pilot, very experienced, and so he was like zipping us around through the hotel buildings and stuff, and we're so high up, and I'm looking at the sphere, and I'm looking down, and I can, and I hate heights, hate them. <laughs> And I'm like, well, you know, if this is how I'm going to die. Like, this is going to happen because if something happens here, that's it. It's over. <laughs> so I was like, I might as well embrace this and have a good time. Oh my so I did. And it was awesome, man. We landed and the guy's like, you know, how was that? And then the folks I was with, they're like, yeah, that was good. And I'm like, that was awesome. I'm like, let's go do it again. <laughs> Uh, for everybody listening, like if you don't follow Tim on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter, like you are missing out on some really great content because you you spent uh, 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 how long has it been now? Five days? Five oh, days in more Vegas? Than that. Yeah, more than that? <laughs> I've been here eight? Yeah. Eight days? When, but you have like access to everything. Like everything F1, you've been behind the scenes and in front of the camera, behind the camera, and things like the helicopter ride. Like, if follow Tim right now, if you're listening to this, go follow him, pause the show, follow him, or listen and follow him because you're going to get some, you get some really cool content and go back and watch it all. It's been spectacular to watch Tim. You're having the time of your life there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's been uh, wild, man, the, the, the shit that I've gotten to do. Like, I got a, so we got to see the Bellagio. Uh, fountains and so you know there had been uh reports like a while back that the bellagio fountains were drained and the 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 fountains weren't working but they've actually the entire sort of lake has been filled the whole time they've been building the grandstands the hospitality area which is unbelievable by the way um just down the strip and then they are actually what they're doing so when Whoever wins, Max Verstappen, uh, <laughs> they're going to get put on a truck <laughs> and they're going to get sent around to the, uh, 
it's called like the winner's stage at the Bellagio fountains. And they built this stage for the top three. They're going to bring them over there. There's going to be this massive uh, uh, fountain show and they're going to, the driver's going to be interviewed there. And then they're going to go from there, uh, do the champagne spray and all that stuff, and then bring them in for the um, uh, media sessions and, and things of that nature. It's probably going to, the, the closing Parts of the race, Jesse, I think are going to take a little while, but I think it's going to be a spectacle because uh, I got to see a preview of the Bellagio um, fountain display that they were doing. I posted it. Yeah, like you said, I posted it on my social media. Yeah. Um, I just think that that in itself is so Vegas and it's like, right, man. <laughs> It'll be similar to where just... to how uh, Miami, how they had them on the truck and they drove them into the stadium to kind of do the presentation oh, yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. there. So I assume Vegas will be a similar way. We got to wait for them. We got to watch them all drive in there, and then finally we'll get the trophy presentation and all that. Yeah, and I think you know that in itself, these uh, like these hospitality areas that they built, kind of overlooking that uh, Bellagio sort of fountain uh, winners stage. Uh, I got a tour of those, and I will post that video later. But it's. It's like you're going. It's so uh, lavish in in the luxury of it. It's it's like you're going into a wedding. Like that's how oh, wow. elegant it is inside these inside these uh, VIP uh, hospitality areas. It's about I want to say for the three days, Jesse. It's about twelve thousand USD for the entire thing for oh one gosh. ticket. <laughs> for one ticket. It does, so yeah. the ticket, I assume, comes. You get to stay there, right? Because the hospital, like, you don't need a hotel at all. That includes like your food and hotel mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> I I, uh, I believe it's just for the race. It's not for what? the hotels. It's just for the. Yeah, I believe that's what it's for. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Then never mind. That's that's a lot. That's quite a bit. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It is. It definitely is. Um, I think like it's it's probably uh, it's the the tickets here are definitely expensive. Uh, They've released so they held tickets back and then they released them to the public. I think it was about two weeks ago, and those are at a reduced cost, which is you know I'm glad that they did that. And I think next year the prices are going to be reduced as well because at the end of the day, uh, I think you know, Formula One can't price itself out of markets. And I think you need to make sure that your your racing fans, your F1 fans, um, they need to be a part of this as well. It's yeah. very important. Um, I think like off track. So there's a, there's a hotel, there's a hotel chain here. Uh, it's at Resorts World. And it's very, I believe it's called Conrad's. And I've never heard, honestly, I've never heard of People may be yelling at me right now, Jesse, but I've never actually heard of Conrad Hotels before. Never. I haven't um, either. But I got a tour of it. I, I got a tour of this place, man. And oh my god, <laughs> dude, it is so nice. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's it's a very nice hotel. But what I'm getting at is essentially the high net worth folks. That's where probably a lot of them are going to be staying. They have their own private entrance to get into the to place uh they have their own valet service and then they've got like the high rollers room like where they can go to gamble and all that stuff and, and all of their like uh high-end tables is I, I don't know what the buy-in is for it it's a lot but all of their tables are reserved for the f1 weekend so okay. i think when we read reports that you know this race could bring in a potentially over a billion dollars of revenue for the community. You know, when I look at some of the things, I'm like, they could be, they could get close to that. I mean, that's, that's how much money could probably come into this thing. It's pretty wild, man. Yeah. And uh, there was uh, Lewis's comments before the weekend started earlier in the week where he was talking about how you need to be mm-hmm. cognizant of, of the locals, you know, you got to take care. You got to make sure you're not, taking over Vegas itself and that you're not disrespecting the the people who are from Vegas and are there all the time. And I think having the influx of people is going to be great for the economy. And hopefully like 
that takeaway where you're like, hey, this was a spectacular event for Vegas and it grew the economy in a weekend where we had a billion dollars come in. Like, hopefully that appeases the people there where it's like, okay, this was all worth it in the end because of the spectacular event that was put on. The fans are happy and the people who came in are happy and it did do wonders for the money influx of for Vegas. Yeah, no, you make a really great point. I think, and so did so did Lewis. I he actually had um, he actually had a bunch of kids come into uh, the pit building area uh, f- to meet him and seeing in around Mercedes and Mercedes put this thing together with Lewis and it was a lot of uh, kids from a lot of local underprivileged sort of uh, schools that are within the outer area of this entire place. And it was really cool. I mean, these kids just came out and they're freaking out. They're having such a good time. They're so excited to see Lewis and like, and you know, he makes a good point where it's kind of like, you know, you're bringing in a lot of money into this community. And it's kind of like, he was kind of driving at the fact that like, he hopes that these places that they go to, they leave more than what they kind of take away from it. And I think, um, I, I think, F1 and I've said this before a long time ago and I think like F1 has that platform and that power to actually you know do that and I I, I hope that they do for sure yeah. I hope that they do mm-hmm. yeah uh Jesse when are you coming back to when are you coming to Vegas <laughs> I don't know I gotta go back like the, yeah when I mentioned before I went during the <laughs> pandemic that was the only time I was there and I feel like my first time in Vegas I didn't really see Vegas because it was like half the amount of people that should have been there. It was like it was a pandemic that was happening, and a lot you had to still wear masks in a lot of different pa- places. And I want to see Vegas when it's full, you know, and everybody's out there. So I don't know. I got to get back within the next year or so. Maybe next year, next year's Grand Prix, if I can do just like the weekend, like the Saturday and and the Saturday night, like that would be fun. Two day trip for Vegas. Maybe I'll I'll join you out there next year. Man, you should come here for the Super Bowl. Oh, in February, yeah. Yeah, that's, like I got that's a, not a bad idea. I got a at tour. All. Yeah, yeah. I, I got a tour of the uh, Allegiant uh, Stadium, and it's mm. it's the the amount of work that they've done there. That stadium alone, oh man, it's it's super nice. Like, yeah, yeah. If you, I, I don't know what the tickets are like for for Super Bowl, like I have no no grasp of that, but. Mm-hmm. I think no. this place would be pretty fun for a couple of days during the Super Bowl. I assume if I if I'm there for Super Bowl weekend, it would be to watch the game, not at the stadium. You know, because <laughs> I don't think there's a there's a chance I can get my hands on Super Bowl tickets. But I could go to Vegas and watch it at some place in Vegas. <laughs> yeah, you go to one of the uh, the sports books. So mm-hmm. I. Oh my god! Before we end this, I got to tell this story, Jesse. Oh my god! So like the Bills game on uh, Monday. Yeah, crazy. Uh, did you game. watch it? Crazy game. Like the, okay. the too many men on okay. the field call at the end. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my God. So at the, I don't know if, if folks who are listening, if they've never been to a sports book, uh, I'm sure there are some that, that have. Jesse, can you best explain what a sports book is to, to folks that may never been to one? Yeah, sure. So a sports book is where you can go and they have like, um, I guess, I guess best way to describe it is a bunch of like cashiers where you can place bets and you can bet on all sporting events, uh, around the world. And it's mainly football. They'll have it. These, these sports books are like big, uh, college football games or NCAA games, but you essentially you go to the sports book on all these screens and monitors. They do it up really nice. You'll see all of the odds for the current games and you can go everywhere around. You can place bets and you can watch all the games as well. They got, they do it really nice where you have big lounge chairs and you can watch the game on a million TVs and every game that's on right now that you could ever think of is on all the screens and you can be there and you can place bets while you're there. Okay. So <laughs> I've been to a sports book before, but it was a long time ago. I want to say 2009 or 2010 in around then. And it it uh it was really nice and I you know, I stayed and I watched um I watched some NFL. And then I I went back on Sunday, and my first time back in, you know, years, like I get that over a decade. And it was packed and there was nice chairs. You could sit down. It was like, they're like lazy boys and whatever. And I'm like, wow, this is pretty cool. And like people were getting into the games and I was because they were betting on them so much. And 
it was such a wild atmosphere. <laughs> yeah. Because there was so much emotion involved in the games, Jesse. Like, <laughs> so Monday, I, I'm like, ah, you know what? I, I, you know, go down, place the bet on on uh, the Bills game. I'm like, yeah, I'll see what happens. I've never done this before and have some fun. And then uh, met up with uh, a couple of the other reporters and we were uh, we were having like dinner and we were watching the game at one of these big places. And the TVs are huge, right? Yeah. They're massive. And so when that too many men flag <laughs> came out, I have never seen so many like grown men scream yell drop to their knees oh my gosh <laughs> it was pretty wild man and i was just like even like myself because i i had yes i had placed a bet on a sporting event and i was i don't really bet this is mm -hmm. kind of one of my first sort of bets even I internally, I was like, what the hell? But then I wasn't feeling it as much as everybody else was feeling it. I think like, because there's real money on the line there. Like that's where the emotion in the sports book, like everything is so, it's so at this extra level because the majority of people have actual finances on the line. And you never know like the guys who are the most upset, how much they actually have on the line. You know, like that's that's where it's where it's like the most charged up is is those individuals, and for a game to end on where you think it, the one team won, and then for that to be taken back, the emotion, like what is what a what a place to be for you to witness that. Yeah, just yeah, it was it was uh, it was it was something. I think uh, yeah, it it was it was definitely something to see. I'd never seen anything like it before, so. It was an experience. I'll say that this whole thing has been quite the experience, Jesse. And I mean, there's more to come, obviously, and we're gonna yeah. have more on this podcast at the at the end of the the Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, Jesse, just want to thank you for taking the time to do this. Really, really appreciate it, man. Um, are you guys still doing SDP now that Steve's over in Sweden? So we have an episode coming Saturday morning. Uh, we're going to be recording really early Saturday morning. So it's like afternoon in Sweden time. And that'll be the only one we'll do this week of Steve in Sweden on the SDP. It was, it, I don't know how it's going to go, but it'll be fun. Well, Jesse, thanks very much for taking the time, man, to do this. I really appreciate it. Uh, if you want more Nailing the Apex, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, please head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, write a review, give us a follow, let us know how you're doing. And also, you can watch us watch past episodes on YouTube as well. We'll be back at the end of the Vegas Grand Prix. <laughs>